Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the Prophet Jeremiah 13b, the second half of chapter 13. We're going to go from verse 12 until the end of chapter 13 today. This is Saul Weinreb, the host for your podcast. In the first half of chapter 13, we read about the parable of the belt, the Azor, the belt which God asked Yirmiyahu to to purchase and put on, but not to wash, not to take care of, not to keep clean. And then God asked him to bury it, and then it rotted away. And we learned the lesson that when you leave things alone and you live a life of shrirut libam, in other words, just lackadaisically letting things just happen on their own without effort to improve, that in the end, just like the belt rots, people go into immorality and corruption. There's no such thing as neutral. Either you're working on yourselves and being proper and getting better, or you're sinking into into corruption. Being lazy doesn't get you anywhere, uh, except for the wrong places. Now we're going to start from verse 12 with, with another parable um, of which we're about to read, parable of, of drunkenness and wine. But um, let's read verse 12. Uh, God t- tells your, Jeremiah the prophet, I want you to speak this, say these words. Also says God, the Lord of Israel. Fill up your wine jugs with wine. Kind of a, sounds like a random instruction. So of course the people are going to say, what? They will say to you, of course, don't we all know? Everybody knows that you fill it up with wine. Why are you telling us silly lessons like this? And then I want you to say and answer them as follows. I am going to fill up all of the people that reside in this land. And the king's who sit on the throne of David. These are the kings who are sitting on the throne that David established, the kingdom of David, which now his descendants occupy. Be'et HaKohanim and the priests, Be'et HaNaviyim and all those false prophets, Be'et Kal Yerushalayim and all the residents of the city of Jerusalem, Shikaron, will be full of drunkenness. And what kind of drunkenness is this? This is the same kind of drunkenness that we had in Isaiah 51. If you remember... Isaiah 51, verse 21, um, when Isaiah was referring to the suffering of the people uh, at the time of the destruction, and he was saying that that it's going to be so, 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 so awful, so bad, you won't even know or understand what's going on. You won't be able to think. You, it'll, you'll just be drunk with suffering. And he says, Ushuhu, you who are suffering, and you will be drunk, but not from wine. That's the same uh, parable that Jeremiah is using here. I'm going to fill everyone up with this kind of drunkenness. This is verse 14. And I will crush one person against the other. This is the image of, of civil war going on in, in, in the city between one man and the other uh, during the time of Instead of uniting to fight the enemy and defend the city, the people were fighting with each other. Even within families, fathers and children will be on different sides of the infighting. 
Yachtov together in Oma Adamaisa. So says God, Lo Echmol, I will not have mercy, Velo Achusin, I will not have compassion, Velo Arachim, and I will not have pity, Mehashkisam, from destroying them. Now, Yirmiyahu, the prophet, keeps on, and he says this, these words of terrible destruction, he right away flips to, um, uh, these next words are him speaking, the words of Yirmiyahu speaking to the people, begging them, please, we can stop this, we can do something. He never ever gives up on the possibility of turning around, on the possibility of, of stopping this terrible destruction from happening. Shim'u v'hazinu, so he begs the people. This is a personal plea from Yirmiyahu. These next few verses are a personal plea from Yirmiyahu. The image of Yirmiyahu just crying, of uh, crying, uh, is is an image that's uh, very much associated with this prophet Yirmiyahu, and it comes from uh, several parts of Yirmiyahu. But one of the most poignant uh, places is here uh, in these next few verses. He's just begging them, please, please. Now, I just want to remind you that Yirmiyahu is a subject, has been recently notified that the people are trying to kill him because of his message. It, it, if you imagine the astounding amount of love that it takes for the people when they're out to kill you, most people would, or many people at least, would react with anger and disgust and just say, heck, you know, let, heck with them, let them do what they want, I'm, I'm out of here. But Yirmiyahu takes his, still loves the people, still wants them to turn around and begs them, please, Shimu v'hazinu, please listen and please listen carefully. Al-Tikbahu, don't be so arrogant. It's your arrogance that's keeping you from listening to this message. Don't be so arrogant. It is God who just spoke those words. It is, it's, coming, it's not coming from me, says Yirmiyahu. If you don't want to listen to me, fine. But listen to God. It's God that's telling you this message. Don't honor me. Fine, you want to kill me, you want to make fun of me, that's one thing. But give honor to God. Before it gets dark, before it's too late, before the destruction comes. And before your, your feet get, get um, tripped up and, and fumble and stumble all over the mountains of darkness. The mountains of darkness here is the um, I, I, so according to some many of the commentaries, mountains have always been a metaphor for for arrogance, and just like uh, Yumio just said, Altigbo, do not be arrogant. These mountains of darkness, where Vikivitemla are, you are hoping for light. You hope you are on those mountaintops in 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 your hearts, thinking that you're so great, you're so wonderful, and you're thinking, oh, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be fine. But Vesamalitzamavas, instead, you have created it into a mountain of darkness. And, and and gloom um, and you have turned it and into um, um, into darkness why because of this arrogance those places those mountaintops where you're hoping for light ended up becoming places of darkness and and doom and if you don't listen if you don't listen again these are the words of the prophet himself these are coming from the prophet's own heart if you don't listen to this message my soul is going to be crying crying deeply deep in the depths of my soul my soul is going to cry the because of your arrogance because you refuse to be humble before god not before me 
before God. And I'm going to pour out with tears. And my eyes will pour and pour with tears. Why? Because the flock of God, the sheep of God, the beloved people have been captured. Captured by whom? Captured by the enemy, but also captured by their own arrogance. This will cause me to cry and weep. Now, in, in, in verse 18 here, it, it seems like it's still the prophet speaking. Um, in next, soon, in like verse 20, I'm going to talk a little bit about whether or not it's the prophet or God, but here it seems the prophet is still speaking. Go say to the king, say to the queen, right? Tell them, tell them, re reduce yourself, sit down in a low, low place. What does that mean? You know, lower yourselves and sit, meaning you're sitting on your high throne of arrogance, thinking that, that you're greater than God, right? But, but, but be humble before God. Make sure that, tell the king and the queen, because your mar your ashosechem would be your either the things some imagine some I'm sorry translate this as the things that you place upon your heads, meaning like your crowns or diadems or it could mean the curls of the hair. Or it just could mean the mar sechem, the mar sechem, which could be, um, according to the uh, um, Radak, mar sechem is just referring to your your uh, the the gaiva, the arrogance that goes to your head is is now yorad, is now is now humbled. Atheratifartechem, the glory of your crown is is humbled, is low. Tell this to the king. Tell this to the queen. He's talking about this vision that he sees in the future. Oh no, this is terrible. The cities of the south, they're all going to be closed up. No one's going to have the key. No one's going to be able to open them up. They're going to be closed up and gone and no one's going to be there. The people of Judah are in exile. All of it is completely exiled. Everyone is completely gone. This is the the vision that he's seeing. Aglat Shalomim also might mean Shalomim, those people that are our friends, those people that we are all together with, Shalomim, meaning the people are Haglat, they are all out in exile. That's how the Radak translates that. Now in verse 20, I'm going to read this as if it is God speaking and also as if it is the prophet speaking for the from here till the end of the chapter. And we... Um, uh, in most places, it can read easily either way, but a uh, couple of verses we'll have to, we might have to adjust fire a little bit. But let's see. So, verse twenty: Su'u enichem uru'u. Lift up your eyes and see. Haboim mitzafon. Look and watch and see those people, the conquerors, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, are coming from the north. Ayeha eder He's again addressing the kings and the queens. Where is this eder? Here it sounds like the prophet is speaking. Where is the flock that has been given to you? The flock of people that have been given to you to be the rulers over them. They were given to you to take care of, to shepherd, to bring closer to God 
the sheep that was your glory. It was your glory that you were ruled over this kingdom of people. Where are they? They're all in exile. Again, this is a vision of the future. What are you going to say, when God, when he decides, when God decides to remember you, right? When God decides to remember you for punishment. Again, here it sounds more like the prophet than God speaking. When it was you who who taught those people to be your leaders. Now, this is uh, an interesting phrase here. And, and if we, it's, what it's, he's talking and addressing the king, the queen, the, 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 the royals, and he's saying, you are the one, look, look who's coming, right? Look who's coming from the north. What, what, what are you going to say when, when, when God remembers and the punishment comes and the conquerors come from the north and it was you who taught those people to be the leaders over you? Now, who is the yous here? So what, what the commentaries explain and, um, and the Radak points out that if we wind back history a little bit to the time of Ahaz, who was the king prior to Chizkiyahu. He was the king at the time of the prophet Isaiah. And Ahaz had made a, a, an agreement with Ashur, with Assyria, right? And he had conspired with them. And then, in other words, Ahaz had, had um, humbled himself and basically turned himself into a vassal of Assyria in the hope that that would gain him peace. And then what happened? Assyria attacked. Assyria was the attacker. If we remember, so the, that was the example. So the Radak it says that this behavior of trying to appease all of these other nations in order to get their favor constantly backfires. You make them your overlord, and then they come and attack you. This is the idea. You need to be independent because it, to be independent, and this we saw this message repeated in Isaiah and Jeremiah, is telling us the same thing. By remaining independent, you are able to fulfill your mission of being the nation of God. Once you become dependent on others, you start needing to bow to their idols, worship their money, and so on and so forth. So, and, and what happens is, in the end, they attack you anyway. So you can't rely on them. If we look back in Jeremiah of chapter 2, we see how he, um, uh, how he criticized the people um, uh, to 2 verse 18 he says at the time of Jeremiah the, the king was Josiah was Yoshiahu. he was looking to sign an allegiance with Egypt and in the end what happens Egypt comes and destroys Josiah destroys Yoshiahu. and if I, I, I didn't see this in the commentaries but if we remember in Isaiah 39 Chizkiyahu Hezekiah the king what, he went ahead and he invited the Babylonians in Right? And that was the beginning of the end of, of Hezekiah. That was when Isaiah recognized that King Hezekiah was not going to be the leader that he had hoped him to be. So again, and who's coming now? The Babylonians. So we sign, we try to become subservient to the Assyrians in order to gain their favor. They come and destroy the northern kingdom. The Egyptians, they come and attack the southern kingdom. The Babylonians, they come and attack and completely destroy the Judean kingdom. And this is what Jeremiah is talking about here. He's saying, uh, It was you who taught them to be your leaders. Now they're coming to destroy you. And then, What's going to be the result? You're going to be uh, overtaken by, by um, 
terrible labor pains, like a woman in childbirth, the, the, comparing the pain to something graphic, something that people can, can identify with, the, the terrible, terrible pain of a woman in labor, which is a metaphor we've seen many times in Jeremiah and in other prophets as well. And if you're going to say in your heart, when this happens to us, and you're going to ask yourself, well, why is this happening? What's going on? Why are we suffering? Well, I'm telling you now, it's because of the, all of your sins. Therefore, that's why the, your skirts have been pulled up uh, this is just, a, just a, a way of expressing the shame and embarrassment of being stripped naked. And your limbs and your bones will be, um, or your heels, and Akev could be your heels, will be uncovered and exposed to the elements, but also exposed to shame. This is verse 23. Can a person who's born... Uh, as a Kushi, meaning an African who's born black, can he change himself? That's his nature. He's black. He can't become white. Vinomer, can a leopard, Chabarburosov, change his spots? No, a leopard has spots. These are the way they're created. Um, and, and in the same way, you guys are so, so, so into your evil. Gamatem tochulehetiv. Also, you, you're so into your evil that you can't even change yourselves you've made you've gotten so embedded in that lifestyle that you can't turn around you can't change yourself you have become so accustomed to doing evil to doing bad this reminds us of the concept that we find in the talmud very often that once a person does a sin and then repeats it again that hutrolo, it becomes to him nasitlo keheter is the language of the Talmud. It becomes to him like something that's okay to do. In other words, the more you do it, the easier it is to do it, and the harder it is to change your ways. Va'afitzeim, and here it flips to sounding, until now it sounded more like the prophet was speaking, but here um, it sounds more like God is speaking, because it says va'afitzeim, and I will scatter them or our like the chaff that just blows away when you winnow the like uh, the the wheat the ruach midbar to the um the the winds that blow in the wilderness in the desert so you can also understand if if it's the prophet speaking and i will scatter them you might want to explain it and say that the prophet is saying that obviously the prophet is not doing the scattering but as a result of the uh, prophet's rebuke and the people not listening to the prophet, therefore God held the people accountable and therefore spread them uh, throughout the world and exiled them. Zegorolech, this is your lot. Minas midayech, this is the uh, the result of your measurement. This is your portion that I have measured out. It's gorolech because you have caused it. Me'iti from me, no'omadunai. This is what God says. So here, this is the prophet quoting God. Why? Because you have forgotten all about me, and instead you had faith in falseness, in all of the false things that the false prophets taught you and told you. And therefore, I also... So here it sounds like God speaking as if the first time um, was the prophet, and now God is saying, I also will reveal your 
pull up your skirts on your faces. In other words, strip you naked and your embarrassment and your shame will be visible to all. What is this, your, your embarrassment and your shame? Your adulteries and your celebrations. This is talking about not good celebrations, but your your evil celebrations and parties. The disgustingness of your of your um, uh, uh, you know, adultery and depravity. I saw it's a good uh, or, or promiscuity. I'll give a oath basade that all occurred on the high places of the fields. Now we've had this several times that this is places where they would congregate in front of the idols, and a lot of the idol worship entailed prostitution and promiscuity and all kinds of raisi shikutsayach I have seen all of the disgusting things that you do oilach Yerushalayim woe is to you Jerusalem lo titari you shall not um, you shall you refuse to it could mean you are not going to be purified in other words you are not going to purify yourselves or it could mean you refuse to turn around you could be titaher you could purify yourselves but you don't lo titari achare matai od on how much until when? Until when is this going to last? In other words, can't you just change? Can't you just turn around? Until when is this going to last? Thank you so much for studying Yermio chapter 13. Looking forward to continuing the study of Yermio together.